Focus on the Family Canada's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive Program is a proven program designed to save couples from the brink of divorce. For over 15 years, Hope Restored Marriage Intensives have helped more than 4,500 couples, and over 80% of those surveyed are still together two years after attending. If you or someone you know is facing a crisis in their marriage, please call Focus on the Family Canada today at 1-833-999-HOPE or visit hoperestoredcanada.ca to find out more. God was saying to me, and I didn't know this until years later, this is not about voice. This is not about concerts. This is, this is about me. Huh. And we're not going to trust in voice, and we're not going to trust in all of these <laughs> outside things. What we're going to trust in is me. Yeah. That's Christian singer Larnell Harris describing the amazing ways God has really used his music career, which spans five decades, and uh, we're thrilled to have him here as our guest on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Hey, John, many of our seasoned listeners will remember Larnell over many of those five decades, actually. Um, Larnell's amazing singing voice has been on display, uh, those gifts that the Lord has given him in such uh, incredible ways. Uh, He was with the Gaither Vocal Band in the late 80s, and he's probably most famous for the duets he sang with Sandy Patty. Um, I'm not sure, but we'll ask him in a moment. He also sang for Billy Graham Crusade for 30 years, and he was featured at Promise Keepers. I think I may have been at one of the events you sang at, actually, in Boulder. uh, But behind all of that success and many music awards, four or five Grammys over the years, um, most important to him is his commitment to Christ and uh, what faithfulness means in this journey of life. Uh, Bottom line, these are the reasons why we wanted to talk to Larnell, to Mm. talk to him about faith and music and worshiping the Lord and what it's meant to him over these many years. Yeah, and I remember uh, Jim being at a radio station in East Texas back in the 80s playing Larnell's music. We had record albums, and his (laughs) stuff was there, and go-to music for us. That's great. So uh, you were spinning the music. We had the vinyl going, man. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. And i got to tell you, I have come all the way from Kentucky, and it's the first time that I didn't come. I'm not singing anything. Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. There you go. Well, no, we love it. And we appreciate the journey all the way from Kentucky to Colorado. Well, it's good to be with you. It's been many years since I've been here. I was here for one of the uh, chapel services. It's been years. Oh, yeah. It's been years and years and years ago. This campus, though, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm going to assume. Yeah. But, yeah we've uh, been here since here. 94, so yeah, really in this location. It. What a wonderful thing. I want to start with your family of origin, because I think it's really a great story, mm-hmm. a victory story, as you called yeah. it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I understand your parents had rough backgrounds, like so many of us. You know, I don't know what it was about that era, you know, the parents of us now that are in our 50s and 60s. But they, you know, it was just kind of the 20s and the 30s, and there was some just funny stuff going on with bootlegging and other stuff. But what what was going on in your family? Well, my mom was a lady staunched in her faith. I mean, she loved the Lord. She was a Pentecostal holiness woman, she, and she was a prayer warrior. So she the, was serious. Oh, uh, she dead serious. <laughs> she wore that white dress with them big buttons run down the front. <laughs> right. And, boy, she'd flat run over you in a service. Because <laughs> she, you know, she was not sophisticated. She would shout. In fact, that whole church uh, back there in Danville, Kentucky, uh, people would come from all over the state to witness what they called a watch care service. That was the service from uh, bringing in the new year. 
and uh, uh, the drums would be going, the cymbals, somebody would have a tambourine, a pastor would get up and speak, and the place would just erupt. That's what I grew up with. It was yeah. a fervent, it was a fervent worship. So it was no surprise to me that my mom prayed my dad into the kingdom. Yeah. So and tenacity, perseverance, all of that was part of her character. It was sure. indeed. And so she was not going to sit still and have her husband uh, not be a part of the kingdom. So she prayed him in. She prayed him in. I can remember um, uh, sitting at her knee as a little boy. I mean, four or five years old, and she'd be praying for dad. He'd be knocking on the door, and uh, the circumstances was such that she couldn't let him in. Now, I'm a very young kid. I don't know all the dynamics of of grown-up relationships, but there was a lot going on. Sure. Um, Her prayers, uh, remember in Scripture where uh, it wasn't the faith of the paralytic, it was the faith of the friends and those who loved him, and they took him up on the roof. And I can imagine that every prayer that my mom prayed mm. was taking another shingle off of that roof. What a beautiful uh, way to look at until that. Until finally he could be dropped down to the face of Jesus and yeah. look him square in the face. And you know what happened? God healed him of the greatest disease that there is, the most insidious uh, malady uh, that there is, sin. Yeah. What was he coming out of, if, just for the listener to be able to paint that picture? So the environment that he came out of, why your mom was praying so much for him. Yeah, well, what was happening? Out, well, his dad went to prison. Yeah. And uh, there are things that I have a 90-year-old aunt in Danville, and there are still things <laughs> that she will not tell me, you know, about those. She's been sworn uh, to secrecy. Uh, sworn to secrecy. My family has that same thing. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like, uh, what did you do? And they yeah. won't tell you. Yeah, oh. you know what? And some of it might be beneficial. I mean, yeah. you know, over the years. But you, some of it's benign. Yeah, and you're going, oh, yeah, that's yeah, it? Yeah. I mean, exactly. Wow, okay. Exactly. It was life. It was in your life. case, the family, the adults around you were bootlegging. I mean, that yeah. was kind of the thing. Hey, not Selling only them. Selling beer. Listen, and, yeah, you know, I could sell you a pint. This is a dry. And you became a, a salesman. What do you want? I could sell you a pint as well as anybody else. I was, uh, uh, and this is a dry county. This, right. I mean, yeah, this is a dry place. So, but I also remember, and I don't want to tell too much because you got to read the book, but there are. St- <laughs> well, it's good. It's good read. <laughs> I remember. Uh, when Sammy Dexter came, who was the detective in town, and came to our home. You remember his name? I re- oh, yeah. Sammy was a good guy. And, and, and you're like nine, ten years old? Uh, uh, at that time, yeah. 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 And he came and, and took my dad off. Right. And it was a traumatic thing for mom and me. I can almost so your remember. dad was arrested. He was arrested and tried and spent some time in prison. What did that do for you? I mean, I'm always a believer in the pendulum of God for the wisdom. If you can see it as a boy, yeah. which I felt a very similar story. Yeah. Uh, my dad wasn't bootlegging, but he was on the other end. He sure. was on the receiving end of it. And in some ways as a child, being 9, 10, 11 years old, he died when I was 12. There are some positives that can come out of that where you're observing this as a boy and going, okay, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to suffer the consequences. Did you have some of that process? I did, and I got it from him. 
interesting. When he's now that he's he is at this time uh, pretty tied into the church. He is uh, the pastor is uh, seemingly can't go to pray for someone in the hospital unless he takes my dad. Yeah, and now his his occupation. Which is not bootlegging, but he he's always been a the love to cook, and so now he's a baker. He comes out with a wow with with something else. So he, he goes to jail, comes goes out, to, comes out as a baker, as a baker, and then sets up a business. So, uh, one of the old boys in town, Mister Burke, hired my dad at Burke's Bakery. It's a very famous bakery, <laughs> yeah. it's still going. And now I go into the shop and see my dad making donuts and. Pies and cakes and uh, now you know, you're talking. Uh, I'm, uh, now we got some, <laughs> and he's taking those donuts and he's dipping them in that sugar and he holds them up. Now we shouldn't eat this stuff, okay? Right. But now he he's hold he puts them up on a rack and you pull one off and you taste and, and you said and with pride, my dad made that. Mm, that's amazing. This is my dad's new life, and now. Again, we talk about the training up a child. Yes. Who needed to see that? I really believe that most of what has happened in my life over the years has been due to that episode, those days, watching my mom and dad mm. take a situation and turn it around through prayer. Right. Um, How old dad, were you when you came to Christ? I joined church when I was 12. Okay. Okay. I didn't uh, really make a commitment because I didn't understand it all. Okay? Yeah, sure. I mean, it uh, sounds odd, the blood of yeah, Jesus yeah. and what oh, does that man. mean? And that's Who can scary? wrap that around? Yeah. yeah. So what happened? You well, were... I met an old boy by the name of um, Stan Morris. Uh, I was auditioning, actually, for a group called the Spurlows. As a teenager? Well, or no, even I'm younger. out of college now. Okay. Now, okay. We, we have jumped forward a bunch. Uh and Stan explained it to me for the first time. But what happened was that set this up. I was 16 years old, and my dad, through the years, they always had fast cars. He and his uncle. And all <laughs> well, they were bootleggers. They had to have them, you know, <laughs> running through those hills. Okay. So, so there was a new highway, uh, US-127, between Danville and Stanford, Kentucky, about 10 miles. And they just put in this new highway. It was flat. And I'm saying, today... Today, I'm going to find out how fast this thing will go. <laughs> so I get this thing out on I, at the beginning of that highway. I lose my nerve. I mean, this, we're, I'm moving, okay? And I lose my nerve, and I pull over to the side of the road. I'm almost in Stanford to 10 miles. <laughs> that 10 miles yeah, went fast. My, my knuckles are hurting because <laughs> I've been holding on to this wheel. And now I didn't notice that, that the state police had pulled up behind me. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there. Uh, cop gets out of the car, and he walks up to the driver's side of the window. He said, kid, you could have killed yourself. said, listen, I'm going to put you down. For 70 plus, 70 miles an hour plus, I don't know how fast you were going, and I wasn't going to kill myself to save you. When I met Stan, he introduced me to the one who did just that, Hmm. who allowed himself to go to the cross for me. Wow. And that news broke my heart. You caught it. I caught it. I caught it. I had my degree in hand. I was going out. I was going to be uh, teaching school. I had met my wife. But that news broke my heart. And when Stan explained it, I went back to that event and said, my Lord, 
thank you so much for what you've done. Mm. And then I was in a position where I could begin to grow and grow in the Lord. Yeah, we're talking to Larnell Harris today on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and you can find Larnell's book, Shaped Notes. And I want to read the subtitle because it really is where we're going next, I think. How Ordinary People with Extraordinary Gifts Influenced My Life and Career. Uh, look for that at focusonthefamily.ca. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Do you wake up and think of all the ways the day could go wrong? Does a list of worst-case scenarios play on a loop in your head? Can the littlest thing set off a spiral of what-ifs? Focus on the Family Canada has created a free PDF booklet filled with professional advice, biblical insights, and follow-up resource suggestions to help you better understand and navigate anxiety in your life. Download your free PDF booklet at focusonthefamily.ca slash anxietypdf. That's focusonthefamily.ca slash anxietypdf. Focus on the Family Canada is celebrating 40 years of ministry in Canada. Since the beginning, we focused on helping Canadians nurture, protect, and invest in their families so they can thrive. We were separated for, for a year and a half. At that point, lawyers were involved. We were done. We were ready to sign papers and just kind of walk away. And then I just saw, oh, multiple times, I saw the ads for the Focus on the Family marriage intensive and I would throw it in the garbage and I would see it but it was always there in the back of my head and I was like well what if there's something there that they can teach us that will help us I said okay let's let's try this over four decades of ministry we've received more than 70,000 counseling calls prayed for a million people and welcomed over 2,000 individuals and couples to our retreat centers none of this would be possible without your support thank you join us in celebrating Visit focusonthefamily.ca forward slash four zero. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Uh, Larnell, let me go back. And it's wonderful. I, I think in very similar ways we tracked. I mean, I was... Hmm. I became a Christian at 15, but wobbled along. I didn't really understand it. Then when I was 22, yeah. that's when the Lord really got a hold of me and... There was a, f- a greater fullness to my understanding. It sounds like very similarly yeah, because to we allow it. Yeah, and yeah. I think you just mature. You've seen more of life, and in your 20s, you're beginning to make big decisions, and you know that God needs to be a part of this. That's right. I think as a teenager, sometimes you can put God to the side because there's so much going on. But in that respect, um, your teachers and other adults in your life had a tremendous influence oh, for you. Same again for me. And I want you to speak to your experience with those teachers who, as you described in your book, were kind of like lookouts yeah. for those kids that had potential. How did that work for you in your music career? Well, they were saying, those old teachers, it's out there. You can have it. You can be someone. Guess what? We know because we've been out there. So they encouraged you. Oh, they encouraged us. Yeah. A lot of kids. Um, and I don't think that this has anything to do with economics or, or uh, living one side of the track or another. I think that many of us uh, have people in our lives who have, in one sense, given us a dream 
helped us find a dream. Yeah, identify. Identify, and sometimes just scoop the top of it so that you look out and you can go as far as you are willing to work to go. In your context, I think it was Miss Georgie, if I remember correctly. Oh, but in that context, I mean, you weren't excited about music. And oh. a, lot of, a lot of professional musicians, they get on it early, and then that's their drive. That's their passion. It didn't really happen that way for you, right? It did Miss not. Georgie and others had to encourage you to say, you, you can do this. You're pretty good. They really did. Miss George used to get on my last nerve, to tell the truth about it. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, but what a great thing. Oh, yeah. She, um, uh, every kid in town took piano lessons from her, first of all. Okay. Oh, she was the piano she teacher. She was the piano teacher. That says it all right That's there. right. And she, <laughs> she found out that I could carry a tune. Okay. okay? And, but I'm a boy soprano. Listen, I, you don't. You haven't lived till you've lived the life of a boy soprano. You get teased. I mean, it's a tough life. Okay. But she would take me around to various teas and, and uh, things. Women's and, meetings. Uh, around uh, Danville, yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. All six and a half acres of it. You know yeah. what I mean? And she, uh, but she went to my mother one time and said, Ida Mae, you should not let Larnell play any sports in the dust because the, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, listen, every sports in the every dust, sports in the dust. <laughs> because the dust will hurt his voice. So I got to tell you, she really did get on my last nerve. But she, <laughs> as I got older, and in fact, I did my first concert at the First Baptist Church, Danville, Kentucky. Miss Georgie Dunahai playing the piano. I'm nine years old. I'm in a, my little gray suit. There's a picture. Listen, the book is, is worth the picture. Just get oh, the yeah. book, see the picture. And, and the great thing about it is she didn't want anything. She didn't want anything. She was just a lady that God had put into my life for a time. Mm. And as I got older, you know what I hope? I hope that every town has one. Yeah. A Miss Georgia who will not give up, who will worry you to death who, in her own little way, continues to needle because she is, again, saying, it's out there. Yeah. It's out there. And you can get it. And Miss Georgie and Miss Stevens and Mr. Summers and all of those teachers in an all-black high school, uh, in, not high school, really grades 1 through 12, consolidated when I was a senior uh, and went to a, a Dan, what was known as Danville High School. But those grandmas and grandpas and teachers, um, administrators, spoke life. So people ask me, why, why, why did you write the book? Because of them. But um, you did have some difficulty in your career, too. I, I was particularly drawn to some of the early gigs, if I can use the mm -hmm, lingo, sure. that you had to decide, am I going to be part of this? Describe kind of the faith decision you had to make to not want to be in nightclubs and things like that, where it was a, a dark environment, it not a good dark. environment. Yeah, and I got to tell you, um, when I got out of college and met Stan and really began to understand what a faith walk was about, a lot of my decisions changed. I mean, I, I came out of school with a, with a degree in voice and um, uh, was ready to, uh, to go into the Kentucky school system and, and teach my old band director who had uh, uh, Macaulay Arthur, who had taken me around to uh, various schools, uh, colleges in his own on his own dime, I was ready to do that. But a lot of that changed because now I got to consider 
what God is doing in my life. Right. It was serious for you. It was you. very serious. And if I'm supposed to be in the Spurlows or, or whatever group, it'll be here. And I did end up in some dark places yeah. trying to figure this out. Uh, but I believe wholeheartedly that as it was, as when I was growing up and learning about who God was, that I was being protected as I went along and learning that there was some stuff that I was going to run across that I would have to throw out of my life. Some places that I would not be able to thrive. It was too dark. Yeah. 30 days from that day, I called Mitzi, who was now pregnant with our first and was this is two, three years later, and she was home with her doctor and her mom, and I called her, and I said, I'll be home in 30 days. And I had no idea what I was going to do. Huh. Just being and on the road. It just, I'd been on the road. I was anemic. I was sick. I had vocal issues. Yeah. I had the formation of nodules on my voice. I didn't have, you know, full-blown, but I could... It I was, was impacting. A, it was impacting everything. Yeah. And so I got home, and now I've got to find a job. We've just bought a little house. Listen, the payments were $120 a week. I thought, there's no way. <laughs> you know, there's no way we can make that. And God remained faithful through that time. We never missed a payment on anything. We never missed. We didn't go through any hard times, any of that. But I went through some emotional hard times. And God took me to his word, and I began to just take baths in it. And I did that, and my relationship with him was growing and growing, and it was growing to the point that I could say this, and this was the, this was the open door. Lord, if you're going to allow my voice to be taken, if I'm not going to sing anymore, then you must have something awfully good coming. So it wasn't bitterness. You didn't look at that It was bitterness direction. at first. Mm. Hey, you know, you go through all the stages. Yeah. It was bitterness, and it was why me, and it was anger. And I went through all those stages, all those psychological uh, cartwheels and yeah. norms. But I finished because of the Word of God in my heart and, and really, again, trying to understand all of this. But, you know, I got to the point in Scripture, and I said, you know what? You got something awfully good coming. I don't know what it is. That's but, a good place to be. It's a great place to be. When you can have that faith in Christ, yeah. it's be content in all things, right? And it, is, and it was a lesson. God was saying to me, and I didn't know this until years later, this is not about voice. This is not about concerts. This is, this is about me. Huh. And we're not going to trust in voice, and we're not going to trust in all of these <laughs> outside things. What we're going to trust in is me. Yeah. And he has covered it all and wants more than anything else for those of you who are listening to be the integral part of your life. If you will put yourself in the place where he can do his work in your heart and in your life. It's a lesson that I've never forgotten. Yeah. And I love that. That is what it's about. And uh, so often, especially I think in these areas of the arts, whether it's acting or music, even Christians flounder there because they, it's a heady thing to win Grammys and to do those things. Uh, I love the story of your wife, Mitzi, when <laughs> you won your first Grammy. Oh, gee. And she left you a note 
Do you remember what oh, that I note do. says? I, listen, I still have it. <laughs> oh, wait, I think tell the folks what that was because to me, I think this is this is what a wonderful spouse can do for you. Oh man! <laughs> and, well, then she is the greatest. Okay? <laughs> uh, uh, I had been nominated for not one but two two Grammys that year, and. Uh, uh, first of all, I didn't believe it. When I got the call, I thought, I, who is this? You know, yeah, what, right. what, what, what was One of your deal? friends playing a and, joke. Yes. And then I, I sat in the corner when I verified that it had indeed happened. And I said, oh, oh my goodness, someone's listening to this stuff. And uh, But we went to the uh, – I went to the Grammys. She didn't go. But when I got home, she had a little party for me. And we had some friends and family over. Now, my wife, when she, she was teaching school, she has a master's in special ed. So she was up early, out – and so she would always write a note. It would always be on the kitchen table giving me my chores for the day. <laughs> the list. The, the list. I still get it. <laughs> so so I, I get up, and here is what it said. Larnell, I love you. We're so proud of you. Now, take the trash out. <laughs> now, I, I have to tell yeah. you that I was going to the trash with newspapers that had my picture in them. That, <laughs> yeah, should, should, I, be doing this, should right? I be doing this? Take the trash out and listen, don't forget that trash that you missed. You missed it last time in the garage. <laughs> in the can. Uh, and, and I love you. I'll see you later. I love it. And you know what? She's just no country girl who uh, doesn't uh, not, She's not, not much excites. You're not impressed. <laughs> I wish they were. And I, not, I tell you, some other people are not impressed. The people we've been in the same church for many, many years. My uh, my kids went, who are now grown. We have grandchildren. They went to daycare at our church, and uh, I've tried to use those Grammys. And some I've been on the deacon board and finance committee. I've tried to use the influence of those things yeah, right. in some of those meetings. Doesn't work. Yeah, so, right. so they don't They're work. They're also anyway. equally unimpressed. But, but I tell you what they do. They have allowed me to get my feet in some doors that I probably oh, sure. would not have ever gotten in. Um, you know, here focus on the family, Larnell. We're about the family. And yeah. what I love about your career, and one of the reasons I was really fascinated to have you on the program, was how you managed that with the kids and everything else. You gave a great story there about Mitzi, but you seem to always be able to put your family first. There's lots mm -hmm. of business people that listen. There's, you know, lots of self-made people that are listening. They've poured a lot into their career, their vocation. They're proud of it, and they should be. But at the same time, some people will look back and say, it cost me too much. It yeah. cost me my marriage. It cost me my family. So if you are a writer of the Proverbs, what would you say to those in keeping all of this balanced? You know, um, and she's smart enough to do it, but I'm not. But the mm. Lord uh, put this on our hearts. In order to have some quality time, you have to have some quantity. Mm -hmm. Over the years, wanted each other to know, uh, to be aware, and wanted our kids to know that at any given moment, regardless of what was going on, because sometimes I did have to travel, sometimes she was out, that at any given moment, I'd rather be with you than anybody else in the world. Isn't that a great yeah, feeling? It's a wonderful feeling. I can relate to that. I love mm. that. Um, this has been powerful. I hope people uh, will write to us here or call us, uh, go online, get a copy of Larnell's book, Shaped Notes. And uh, it's a great testimony to God's work in your life. And it's an encouragement to all of us who can see similar milestones in our own lives. That's right. yeah, sure. And to remember to praise him for it and to give him credit 
for those many good things and even the tough things because we learn through that. And uh, you've done it well, putting it all together in shape notes. Thank you for being with us. What a joy. Thank you for having me. Well, it really was a thrill to have you here in the studio with us, and I'm certain our listeners enjoyed hearing about your journey of faith, and um, we're going to encourage you to get a copy of that book from Larnell Harris when you stop by FocusOnTheFamily.ca. And when you contact us today, please consider being a financial partner with Focus on the Family Canada. Uh, We're listener-supported, and we depend upon the generosity of friends like you to help us produce programs like this one and provide resources like our websites and counseling and Larnell's book. And again, our website is focusonthefamily.ca or call 800-661-9800 to make your donation. And next time, we'll be hearing about the consequences of marital breakup. When you go through a divorce, it's it's like going through the death of a relationship. Mm. Uh, in some ways, it's actually harder because uh, that person uh, is still around. So it can almost seem like there's a, this, this haunting of your past. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.